Welcome to Quantum Kingdom Life. We're here on Wednesday night with a Bible study and we're going live on Facebook and we want to share with you tonight a teaching that I think will be very effective for you as we operate in this current season where God's pouring out his spirit on all flesh, where your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, even on my men servants and maid servants. The Holy Spirit said through the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, reading on to 22, even on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So that fulfillment happened in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2 when the spirit of Pentecost fell upon the 120 that were on a 10-day prayer move in the upper room in Jerusalem. And as they were there, the power of God fell and there came and separated unto them tongues of fire that rested upon each of their heads. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other dialects, known dialects, unknown to them, but known to the hearers. They were tongues where they began to declare and praise and magnify God and those people standing by that were in Jerusalem for, at that time of year. They came from many different people groups, Parthians and, and uh, you know, every different type of 16 different people groups. And they began to hear them, the disciples that were Galileans, begin to declare the wonderful works of God in their own native tongue. So they needed no interpreter because they interpreted in their own. So the people that received the Holy Spirit began to speak in other dialectos, known languages to the hearers, but unknown to the speakers. So when that happened, the apostle Peter got up and says, these men are not drunk as it so may seem. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel in Joel chapter two, verse 26 to 28. He said, this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. It's a fulfillment in the last days, saith God. So we're in the last days, how exciting. And 2,000 years ago, the last days start. Why do I say that? Because the apostle Peter said it in canonized scripture in Acts chapter two. And guess what? Somebody says, well, are we in the last days? Yep, we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. Well, when are we getting toward the end? Well, we're closer to the end today than we were yesterday, aren't we? <laughs> so uh, we're, we're having some fun and he always saves the best wine for the last. Now. As we get into this teaching, because we're in these last days, we're in the days of prophecy, we're in the days of dreams and visions and prophetic utterances and tongues of fire, it is very biblical. And because he always saves the best wine for the last, I want to share with you, you are alive for such a time as this and you're anointed and appointed to be an impact maker and to leave a dent in the earth before you leave and you impart and pass your mantle on to somebody else. If Jesus were to call you home, or if he came before then and he'd grab us all. So we're in good shape. So how to properly receive a prophetic word? How to properly receive a prophetic word? What does that mean? Well, there's a way to receive a prophetic word. There's a way to not properly or miss the timing of the Lord. During the days of Jesus, and we'll get into this, he told them that they missed their day of visitation. They didn't recognize it. Do you know you can miss your day of visitation if you're not careful? The, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees in, in Luke chapter 5 were in a house where Jesus was preaching. And the Bible says in Luke 5, 17, it says, And the power of the Lord was present to heal them, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and none of them got healed. How is that possible? The power of the Lord is present. They know the word backwards and forwards. They study the scriptures from, from Genesis all the way to Malachi, the 39 books of the Old Testament. There's 333 prophecies of Jesus' coming, his death, his burial, his resurrection, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the virgin birth, all these things. And they studied them looking for the Messiah. When the Messiah was in front of them, they missed their day of visitation. Say, I'm not that person. <laughs> That's right. You're not going to miss your day of visitation. That's why we study the scriptures to see what they say. We read out of them what's in them. We don't read into them what we already believe. What's the difference? Exegesis is reading out of the scriptures what they say. And if you have something that you believe other than with the scriptures, you allow the scriptures to change you. That's exegetical teaching. Eisegetical teaching 
is reading into the scriptures what you already believe and you change the scriptures to mean what you want them to say so it lines up. You proof text the scriptures to support your idolatry or your, your, your belief system. So will you allow the Holy Spirit to change you exegetically tonight as we read out of the scriptures? Will you come into agreement and say, Lord, if I need to see things from a different perspective, change me into the image and likeness of your son. Let your Holy Spirit shape me on the potter's wheel tonight. I want to grow and glow, and I want to be all that I'm called to be in you as we grow from grace to grace and glory to glory and faith to faith as you bring us from strength to strength and cause the path to grow brighter and brighter as we walk with you and as we talk with you on this road to Emmaus that we walk on, open our eyes that we might see you as you are in the scriptures. You are the living word. So how to properly receive a prophetic word and what's the importance of a prophetic word? What's the difference between a prophetic word and the written word? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 20, 20, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe in the Lord. Believe in his word. You will be established. I have friends that are word church people and they get established. They read the word day in and day out and they are established. They're immovable in their faith on the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, the deity of Christ, the virgin birth. They are immovable. They believe in tithing. They believe in praying. They believe in fasting. They believe in sharing the gospel. They are immovable because they read the word. Yet they don't often see the greater works of God and signs and wonders and miracles and diverse gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Well, let's read on. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. The word establishes us. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. Now, when I talk about prosperity, I'm talking about prosperity, not just in the area of finances. And that's certainly one facet of prosperity. But the Bible says, beloved, I wish above all things you are be in health and and, 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 you know, be in health and wealth and all those good things, even as your soul prospers. So tonight I want to focus in on soul prosperity, your mind, your will, your emotion growing, because if that grows, everything else will line up. I could teach you on biblical prosperity. You'd prosper and still, still be a devil and misuse it, probably end up backslidden if you weren't careful. But if I teach you on soul prosperity, money will be added to you and other things specifically the area of relationships and evangelism and soul winning and humanitarian outreach because you'll have the heart of the Father for the purpose of the funds and the finances. Would that, is that good? Okay. So hear me, O Judah, 2 Chronicles 20, 20, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. The word helps establish us. Believe in his prophets and you will prosper. So we need to be established and we need to prosper. And here's the thing, all word and no spirit causes a person to dry up. All spirit and no word causes a person to blow up and blow off. But a good measure of the word mixed with a good measure of the spirit causes a person to grow up in Christ to be all you're called to be. So prophecy defined. Uh, prophecy defined, the best definition I've ever heard of prophecy defined, the simple definition is simply this. Prophecy is to hear from God, hear from God, and to speak to men or mankind. So we hear a word from the Lord and then we communicate that to people that he places in our behalf. When you preach the word, it's a form of prophecy when it's under the anointing. It should be noted that the gift of prophecy communicates not only God's words or his mind on the matter, but also God's heart on the matter. And God is in a good mood. It's okay that God's in a good mood. He's in a good mood tonight. Guess what? When he wants you to go prophesy to people, he loves his children. So represent the father with the father's heart, which is a father who has a heart of love. So don't go as an angry prophet with the word when you see somebody in sin. Restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, lest you too are tempted. Because God is love, he speaks to his children in love. He desires to strengthen, encourage, and comfort his children through 
the gift of prophecy. See 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. So we'll see more about that. There's three levels of prophecy, three levels of prophecy. And it's important that we get into these levels of prophecy so we're recognizing the type of prophetic words that come, the levels of authority that come with those prophetic words, and how to receive them. And they have different purposes. So the first level is the testimony of Jesus, Revelation 19.10. The second level is the simpler, the basic gift of prophecy for edification, exhortation, and comfort, uh, 1 Corinthians 14.3 and verse 31. And number three, the third level, the highest level, is the office of the prophet, Ephesians 4.11. Three levels of prophecy. Level number one, everybody can operate in the first level of prophecy, Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus. And I fell at the angel's feet to worship him, John the Revelator said in the book of Revelation. But the angel said to me, see that you do not do it. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Key verse for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When you get born again, when you have a testimony about what Jesus has done for you, how he got you off drugs, saved you from suicide, he healed you, he brought you out of sin, out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son, all of a sudden you no longer are depressed anymore or you feel clean and you talk about what Jesus has done for you. It speaks and sings prophetically into the lives of a hearer. A three-day-old Christian can get up and tell people what Jesus has done for them and people are caught up, enraptured by what they're saying. They're spellbound because it has the ring of truth and it has the frequency of prophecy and it speaks prophetically into the life. It's the voice of God on what he did for you and what he'll also do for them. An on-fire young believer testifying as to God's goodness of what he did in he or she's life is so powerful. Never lose your testimony. Continue to give it. People won't argue with you doctrinally on your testimony because they can't argue with a changed life. They know the devil did not change you and get you free from things. So the first level is the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy. And every believer has a testimony. If you don't have a testimony, then you probably aren't saved because he saved you from something. And that's the testimony. Just share that goodness with people. Number two is the basic or the simple gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3 and verse 31. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Verse 31, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So the second level of prophecy is the basic or the simple gift of prophecy and its purpose is edification, strengthening, and comfort. So when you go to somebody with the basic or the simple gift of prophecy, and any believer can operate in this, it says you may all prophesy. The word all in the original Koine Greek language means all. So that includes you. You can do it one by one. That you may all learn and all may be encouraged. Notice it didn't say you may all be rebuked, be corrected. That's not what this level of gift is for. Number three, the office of the prophet. This one's a completely different level. It includes the testimony of Jesus. It includes edification, exhortation, and comfort. But this one also includes a higher level of clarity and accuracy. You know, birth dates, names, uh, sicknesses, disease, all kinds of things could be included in this level. It could be a directive, a corrective word. It could be uh, 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 for impartation. This is a whole different level. Are all prophets? No, but all may prophesy. Do you see the difference? Are all prophets? No, but all may prophesy. That's like the person who goes out and catches fish, doesn't make them a professional fisherman, but they sure did catch a few. So don't tell me I didn't fish and I didn't catch some fish because I did because we ate dinner, but did I feed my family and did I run a business off that? No. I didn't. I'm not a professional fisherman, but thank God I caught a few fish and I can learn how to catch fish. Well, you can learn how to operate in the simple gift of prophecy, and there are some ways that we can help encourage you to do that. Let's break down how the gift of prophecy really operates. The gift of prophecy operates out of four 
primary spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. We're going to highlight but they are this word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits and prophecy. I'm going to read them again. Number one, the four prophetic gifts that enable you to give prophetic utterances that enable you to hear from God and communicate the Father's mind or uh, words on the matter along with his heart, which is a heart of love, is word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, and prophecy. First Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. We're laying a foundation so that we're not uh, moved by prophetic utterances that don't line up with scripture. And we're learning how God gives these gifts and how people experience them. So it's not, you know, this, woo, 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 oh, they prophesied over me. They stored, looked into a head cap and saw a vision, you know, or whatever. There's biblical ways in which people receive. And it doesn't have to be weird, flaky, fruity, nutty, granola barish. It can be very simple and clean. So, the, the four prophetic is 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10 outlines the nine manifestation gifts, but we're going to highlight the four prophetic gifts that are mentioned here. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Holy Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Holy Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles by the same Spirit. To another, prophecy is our third gift. That is a prophetic gift. Number four, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. So we see the four prophetic gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, prophecy, and discerning of spirits are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. So let's identify and define a word of knowledge. A specific fact about a person, a word of knowledge is a specific fact about a person, a place or event that was not obtained through natural means. This is not going on social media and reading somebody's profile and then telling them things about themselves that's on social media. That's that's profiling or cold reading or manipulation is really a form of witchcraft, you know, when you start to operate in that. And somebody will often say to me, well, you know, wow, you've got a, how did you know that about me? Well, I happen to be on your LinkedIn page and I found this about you versus I've never met you before and the Holy Spirit gave me a vision or an image or a clear word. I heard the still small voice. And then the confirming presence of God will come in. They'll be quickened. They'll be strengthened, encouraged. They'll be edified or built up. And then it will open the door for them to give their lives to Christ, have faith rise or spike, or for them to be healed or to believe for a loved one's salvation or a marriage restoration or a financial breakthrough or whatever God is doing in that moment in their life and that prophetic utterance raised faith for them to be able to connect with God and believe for what he already wanted to do. So a word of knowledge is a specific fact about a person, a place, or event that was not obtained through natural means. It could be someone's name, occupation, birthplace, birthday, details about their past history or other information about them. It generally contains no directional guidance, just facts or information, hence its name, a word of knowledge. Now, a word of knowledge can be really, really powerful and pivotal when all of a sudden you walk in and you might say, um, wow, do you have a problem in your, your left you know, hip? And they're like looking at you like, oh my God. And in their mind, they're like praying all day. They're in pain. And they're like, oh my gosh, how does he know that? Who told him? Did Jimmy tell? Did Sarah tell? Say, well, and does it, does it feel like this? Because a word of knowledge could be knowledge that you get through uh, uh, seeing it you could physically feel it you could have an angel stand there pointing to them you could see it in the open vision or you just might have an inward knowing or you might hear it in the still small voice now the fact that you know this information that nobody knows about that causes them to have interest and faith how did he know now they're open to you praying for them and now because god gave you the word of knowledge you already know it's his will to minister to that person you're simply a hammer in the carpenter's hand, pounding out or building out something great uh, as you just bang, bang, bang. And, you know, it's the, the hammer is not the one that gets the glory. The carpenter does. And we, we serve the carpenter, so we give him the glory. And so that's uh, the word of knowledge, a fact about something. And we'll get into an example from Scripture, which is the woman at the well, which was told, you know, you've had five husbands. She says, 
thou art, you know, surely, you know, there must be a prophet. And, uh, you know, so that was pivotal because it caused her to believe. Then she went and testified about Jesus off that word of knowledge. And half the city gave their lives to Christ. And the rest of the city came forth into Samaria. And then Jesus began to share with them. And they had a big revival there off a word of wisdom with a woman who'd have five husbands. Isn't that the beauty of God? He'll take you right where you're at. He'll pivot it. He'll demonstrate his love, get you delivered, and then turn you into an evangelist just that quick. Number two, word of wisdom of the four prophetic gifts. A divine revelation of the will, plan, or purpose of God for a specific situation. It differs from word of knowledge in several ways. A word of wisdom is often directional in nature because it contains prophetic insight on what should be done in a situation. A word of wisdom may not be as dramatic as a word of knowledge, but it may be more needed because it provides divine insight on what we are supposed to do in the situation. An example from scripture is Paul was a prisoner on a ship with 276 people during a fierce storm in Acts chapter 27, verse 10 through 31. And he said this word, he says, you must stay on the ship to be saved. You must stay on the ship to be saved. And that's a good message for us. Stay in the ark of God. Stay in Christ. You must stay in Christ to be saved. Number three of the four prophetic gifts, discerning of spirits or distinguishing of spirits. The word discern means to distinguish between. The word spirit can mean any of the following in scripture. Angels, demons, the human spirit, the Holy Spirit, various types of anointings, mantles, or the motivating influence of a person. Discerning of spirits, then, is the ability to recognize and distinguish between different types of spirits and anointings. An example from Scripture is a young girl who seemingly spoke truth in Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 18. She had a spirit of divination in her, and she said this, These men are servants of the Most High God who show unto us the way of salvation. So she was actually accurate in what she was saying. But the motivating spirit in her was a spirit of divination. You know, the devil can tell the truth occasionally. Even a broke watch is right twice a day. And often <laughs> the devil will tell some truth just so then he can sway you into a lie. Uh, Paul discerned this spirit inside the woman after many days. And then he said, in the name of Jesus, I adjure you, come out of her. And in Jesus' name, it came out. Paul's discernment of this spirit inside of her. Her message was right. But the motivating spirit behind it was wrong. Once she got the demon cast out, her masters or her owners or her handlers, you might say, in a current day society, were upset because she lost the gift of divination so could no longer make money with her gift. So they were upset with Paul. You know, you think you, you go around, you preach the gospel, people get saved and healed and set free and demons come out, then everybody will like you. Guess what? There's a turf war and it's spiritual. And sometimes the more you accomplish, the greater the response. You'd think that when Jesus showed up and raised the dead and multiplied fish and loaves, probably should have opened up, you know, fish and chips company or something like that. I don't know, but that wasn't his assignment. Instead, he came to die for you and me and to make us fishers of men. You'd think he'd be popular, but they sought to kill him on every account. So the good news is this. We got a retirement plan that's out of this world and we're going to the non-smoking section for eternity and you know somebody said to me well David you think I'm going to heaven I said everybody's going to heaven they said really I said yeah just not everybody's staying it's appointed for man to die once and then face the judgment you know uh, Hebrews 9:27. so uh, so you just gotta you gotta do it so okay number number four of the four prophetic gifts we had word of knowledge word of wisdom discerning of spirits and now we've got prophecy and these all come from first Corinthians chapter 12 Verse 8 through 10 on the nine manifestation gifts. And you might say, well, fine, he's really going fast. The beauty about this is you can go back and watch it again and again and again. I didn't learn all this overnight. I learned it in process and I'm giving it to you fire hose style, but it'll all be okay. So the gift of prophecy to hear from God and speak to men, it should be noted that the gift of prophecy communicates not only God's words, but also his heart. The Bible says that God is love. Therefore, he speaks to his children in love. One of the ways God releases and imparts his love is through the gift of prophecy to help strengthen, encourage, and comfort his children. 1 Corinthians 14, 3, 
New International Version. This may be through a personal individual word or a corporate group or congregational word that he operates through. So you could get a prophetic word one-on-one from somebody, or you could get it corporately that would strengthen you in a gathering where there's other believers. So the gift of prophecy, here's an example. Prophets came from Jerusalem. This is a, a, a corporate word. Prophets came from Jerusalem and a prophet named Agabus prophesied of a great famine to come to the whole world. The purpose of the prophecy was God's forewarning and demonstration of his love for his children to warn them in advance so they could be properly prepared. Acts 11, 27-30. This is the gift of prophecy and one of the aspects of it from the office of the prophet where it's not for strength, encouragement, and edification, but a forewarning of something that's coming so that they can prepare. In the Old Testament, the prophet that was spoken to really was Joseph, but he didn't get the revelations. A wicked pagan king got two dreams. And this wicked pagan king got two dreams of seven years of feast and seven years of famine, but he didn't know what they meant. And so he had to get a prisoner out of prison to call him from the prison house into the palace and God used Joseph to interpret the dreams. Genesis 41, 32. Don't all interpretations belong to God? Yes, they do. And the dreams and visions that come to, from God, they come from him too. But pagan people will get dreams and visions but not know how to interpret them. And God will send you onto the scene to interpret it and to bring shift into the situation. So you can make shift happen. Praise the Lord. Okay, prophets came from Jerusalem. So here's what happened. The prophecy came to pass. The disciples sent relief to the brethren in Judea, verse 30, Acts 11, verse 30. The famine came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. By acting on the prophetic warning, disaster was averted for the believers who prepared. You know, people say, oh, these people are prophesying this and that. And you know what? Prepare. What's the worst that can happen? It doesn't come to pass and you're prepared. What's the worst that can happen is you don't prepare and now you're wondering, what is God going to do? Well, your failure to plan may not be God's emergency, but the good news is because of his mercy, he'll answer and he'll uh, lessen the disaster. So primary, three primary types of prophetic words. Personal word, a corporate word, and a word to a king. A personal prophetic word. Paul had given a personal prophetic word over Timothy concerning the spiritual warfare that he would be encountering in the days ahead. So Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made concerning you so that by following them, the prophecies, you might fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.18 through 20. Do you know that God will give you prophecies sometimes through someone and all hell will seem to break loose against you right after you get the prophetic word? The word will be tested. Will you believe the word and the outcome long-term? Or will you say, well, that must have been a false prophecy because everything's happened just the opposite. If everything was going to be good, you wouldn't need the prophetic word to strengthen you. Any doctrine that doesn't require faith for you to operate in it isn't a biblical doctrine because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's why they call it the fight of faith. You have to stand firm. The disciples went back to fishing because Jesus, who said he was going to be raised from the dead, that word was tested. He wasn't raised from the dead in two hours or three hours or one day or two days. It took the third day. And even when he was raised from the dead and Mary saw him at the grave raised from the dead, she went back. First preacher in scripture in the New Testament on the resurrection is a woman and they didn't believe her. Yeah, women can preach. That's right. Get over it. If you don't like it, talk to to Phoebe in the book of uh, Acts, it called her a deaconess. One of the translations is apostolic. Anyway, that's another conversation. We're not going there tonight. We're talking about prophecy, but hopefully that just provoked you a little bit in that sacred cow doctrine. Okay, <laughs> prophets came from Jerusalem, so that's what happened. So because of the obedience of the prophetic warning, disaster was averted. Prophetic word to a king. The prophet Elijah told king of Israel to perform a prophetic act banging arrows for victory over his enemies of war. 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 14 through 19. And Elijah said to him, take a bow and some arrows, king. So the king took himself a bow and some arrows. Then 
Elijah said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elijah put his hands on the king's hand. And Elijah said, open the east window. And he opened it. And Elijah said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord of deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then Elijah said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with the king. He said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will only strike Syria three times. Second Kings 13, verse 14 through 19. The prophet didn't tell him how many times to strike. But the passion in the king was only three deep. What if he had done five or six? He would have utterly destroyed. This is the power and the authority of a person in kingly authority who's lukewarm. His lukewarmness toward the things of God gave them marginal victory. You want to elect people who are passionate or willing to go to the mat. Otherwise, you might have a nation that a little bit uh, not so defeating the enemy. That's another conversation. Okay, receiving and rejecting prophetic words. We're getting into it. Hymenaeus and Alexander the coppersmith had rejected prophetic words, whereas Timothy had received the prophetic word. Listen to this. Hymenaeus and Alexander rejected prophecy. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1.18, right after it talks about Timothy, Timothy, concerning the prophecies that were made concerning you, that by the prophecies you might wage a warfare in a good faith, have a good conscience, and get through this to the other side. Some have rejected these prophetic words and so have shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, this is the Apostle Paul says, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20 verses NIV. Do you know that when you begin to mock prophecy or speak against people that have a real gift of prophecy, and I'm not talking about those that are prophet liars. I'm talking about those that are genuinely anointed prophesiers. I'm talking about the anointing, not those that are just annoying. We'll get into those as well. We'll show you how to deal with those in a respectful way. We're talking about the genuine gift of prophecy and the office of the prophet that was on the apostle Paul, who had met Jesus on the road to Damascus, going out to kill Christians. But in response to Stephen's prayer, Jesus met him on the road to Damascus in Jesus' resurrected state and slapped him off his high horse of pride, blinded him by the light. He was blind for three days and sent Ananias to go lay hands on him that I might receive the Holy Spirit, get delivered from blindness, and then become a great apostle. doesn't matter who's doing what to you or against the gospel. Just pray and fast and watch God intervene and flip it around and turn him in to a stronger believer than you. Wouldn't that be great if somebody that was more wicked than you could imagine suddenly got an encounter with Christ because of your prayers. You'd share in the harvest of all the souls they win. You might end up in the Beverly Hills of Heaven. Wouldn't that be exciting, praying for the wicked? Anyway, so when they, when, when they come and slap you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. When they slap you on the other cheek, I have no further instruction from the Lord. Okay. <laughs> the, the Pharisees and Jews primarily rejected the prophetic word of Jesus to them. He says, they will crush you to the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave one stone in place because you have rejected the opportunity afforded to you. You did not recognize your day of visitation, Jesus said to the Jews. They didn't recognize who he was. They missed their day of visitation. And when you don't respond to the prophetic word of the Lord, God is merciful. He'll bring it again and again and again. And eventually, he who being often reproved and yet hardeneth his neck, Proverbs 29.1, will be destroyed suddenly and out without remedy. In Proverbs chapter 1, the very first proverb in the scriptures of the 31 chapters of Proverbs, one for every day of the month, you get toward the end of it and he says, because you spurned correction, I will laugh at you in your day of calamity. You will call upon me, but I will not answer you. That's a strong word. I was in a prison cell. I had spurned correction. I was in Leavenworth Penitentiary and I'd gotten born again. And I was crying out to God to deliver me from prison and I came across Proverbs chapter 1. I was looking for encouragement and I heard, 
because you spurned correction, you hardened your neck, you did not respond, you did not respond to reproof, I will laugh at you in your day of calamity. And here God was laughing at me in a prison cell in Leavenworth Penitentiary with 200 cockroaches. And, and, and that's where the birdman of Alcatraz actually had his birds and I was down the hole from where that happened. Here I am in this hot prison cell and cement and, 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 and uh, metal and not enough room to really even do push-ups between the two cots or beds or whatever metal beds actually. God showed up with this grace. Jesus appeared to me in a prison cell in 1990 and radically changed my life. He wasn't laughing at me so much. He was laughing at the fact that it took this long for me to have him get my attention and respond to my mother's preaching, my father's preaching of God's goodness. And they walked me through that prison bit. I didn't get a microwave miracle. I did 20 years in the feds. That's right. Your tax dollars were hard at work preparing me into what you have today in response to your tax dollars. We're on Facebook Live. That's right. Getting the word of God and the prophecy. Don't make my mistake. I'll either be a great role model or a horrible warning. I think I've been both. So that being said, let's get into the next one. So receiving versus rejecting prophetic words. The angel went to a virgin promised in marriage to a descendant of David named Joseph. This is Luke chapter 1, verse 26, verse 26 through 38. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel entered her home, he greeted her and said, you are favored by the Lord. That's a great word to hear from, from an angel. The Lord is with you. She was startled by what the angel said and tried to figure out what this greeting meant. The angel told her, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. He repeated it. You will become pregnant. Give birth to a son. His name, Jesus. He will be a great man and you will be called the, he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. Your son will be king of Jacob's people forever and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? I'm a virgin. You know, sometimes when God gives you a prophetic word, it seems absolutely impossible. The more impossible it is, the more confirmation that it's probably God. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, the angel said, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy Child developing inside you will be called the Son of God. Elizabeth, your relative, is six months pregnant with a son in her old age. People said she couldn't have a child, but nothing is impossible with God. Mary answered this to the prophetic word of the Lord. I am the Lord's servant. Let everything you've said happen to me. Then the angel left her. That's how you receive a prophetic word when that confirming presence is there. He gave her, uh, you're favored by the Lord. He told her how it would happen. He told her that her cousin was pregnant already six months. She didn't know it. They didn't have cell phones back then, text messaging back and forth. She lived in another area. So Mary went and confirmed the word. And when she got there, the child in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist, leapt in the womb when she met Mary and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Inside the womb, John the Baptist was built, filled with the Holy Spirit. So there'll be confirming signs when it's the Lord. Okay, what about right word, wrong spirit? It's a great question. Sometimes people bring a right or an accurate prophetic word, but in a wrong spirit. Could be a spirit of anger or jealousy or condemnation or fear, or accusation, judgment, pride or just manipulative control. In such situation, if the word is accurate, if you're mature in the Lord, you can simply say, I receive the word, but reject the spirit. This way, you can eat the chicken and spit up the bones. You don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. People who are young and the prophetic make mistakes. And we want to encourage them to step out and prophesy, but not at our expense or injury. I was just recently, my wife was doing a crowning event in Oklahoma and a man came up to me and he said, now he, he didn't know who I was in the Lord and he saw my wife, you know, wearing a crown and she's a pageant winner of a national pageant. She's crowning these girls from foster care coming out and just beautiful presence of God. She preached this amazing message on the metamorphosis of the butterfly and these girls' lives were touched and God confirmed the message with the migration of the monarchs happening simultaneously. I mean, just an amazing, amazing night. So the next day, this guy felt that he needed to encourage me. And so in front of my wife, he comes over, he says, oh, I, I don't know you, but I've got a prophetic word for you. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. And I didn't feel any anointing on it. And he was stepping out in faith. He says, 
the Lord has told me to tell you that um, uh, you're not to be concerned, you know, you're to be a support for your wife and because, you know, you're not really known, don't feel bad about that and this and that and the whole nine yards. So he has no idea that I've written 15 books, we're on TV for five years and, you know, we got podcasts and everything else. But this is what I said to him. I said, thank you for stepping out on what you sent is the, uh, the word of the Lord. I really appreciate you being willing to get out the boat and walk on water. And my wife looked over at me like, I said, I'm not going to share with him. I don't want to put out the fire. The fact that he's stepping out, I was proud of him. He missed the word, but he tried. And I, you don't snuff out a smoking flax. You don't take a, a bruised reed. You just encourage people. Now, if he came over to me and gave me a false word versus just missing the word, you see, he had a right spirit, but it was a wrong word, and I just wanted to encourage him. Now, I've also had people that have come with a false word. And so you could have an accurate word with the wrong spirit. You receive the word, reject the spirit in which they came. That's maturity. Somebody comes with an inaccurate word, but it's not malicious or false or demonic or false prophecy. They just prophesied out of their own situation. Maybe their wife was, you know, and they, they felt that way. And so you encourage them. Depending on the environment, public or private, the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom on how to properly reject the prophetic word if it's inaccurate so you won't be negatively affected, embarrassed, slimed, or devastated, or leave the situation in anger. It's important to discern the intent of the prophetic person's heart. And we're closing out now. They may be prophesying from a place of woundedness themselves. They may be prophesying out of jealousy or manipulation or personal gain or flat-out maliciousness. The Lord will show you how to handle each situation differently. I'm going to give you an example. My wife, before we met, was single and celibate for many years. She was in a prophetic uh, uh, music event uh, where she was in the congregation. She went there because the person who was operating in music and the spirit of prophecy she wanted to experience that atmosphere and people were getting healed and this person's a genuine prophetic voice. But what happened was he saw my wife's physical appearance and because of his stronghold, he was about to commit adultery on his wife. He's actually now married to a different woman. He's still in ministry and God's restored him. But she was single and celibate and he called her out publicly and said that she had all these issues, none of which were true. And he's a famous person, and my wife was taught you honor those in authority. But when somebody gives you a public false word, first of all, he never should have done that. He should have called her up privately, spoke life over her, and then pulled the microphone away and whispered in her ear and asked if these were areas that she was struggling in. That would be a graceful way to do it. Instead, he publicly shamed her. And it was a false word. It wasn't even true about her because she was single and celibate for like a decade at that moment. Anyway, long story short, it was his issue. He saw her. There was something in him that wanted her. He ends up committing adultery on his wife. So it was really him he was prophesying to, prophesied to himself. So sometimes when you point a finger at somebody, there's three fingers pointing back. So make sure you do it in love. And I had a person come up to me one time and uh, there was a revival getting ready to take place and it kicked off. I think I'd led like, you know, 60 or some people to Christ in a matter of like, I don't know, 30 or 45 days, one-on-one. -on -one. It was just a move of God that was happening. And then, you know, the chapel was packed. And so this guy came in, he had genuinely gifting, but he had a Balaam spirit. We'll get into that next week on the progression of false prophets, Cain, Balaam, and Korah. So next week, Cain, Balaam, and Korah, the progression of false prophets. We're going to see them from the Old Testament. We're going to see their New Testament counterparts and we're going to learn how to recognize them in the church so what happened was he came up and he in front of people started to declare something over me with a gift of false prophecy a familiar spirit and i could feel the atmosphere now i'm open if i'm in error correct me and change me and if you're in error may the lord correct you and change you but let's let the holy spirit correct and change both of us so we're all transformed in the image and likeness of christ the only time I'll look down on you is to help pick you up, dust you off. And if I fall, I, I pray that you would do the same for me and, and, and keep me in prayer as I keep you in prayer. But here's what happened. This person came forth and he spoke this slime, demonic word 
in the name of the Lord, thus saith the Lord. And I can't remember exactly the words, but it was just very controlling. And everybody like froze, like, how is David going to respond to this? I looked at him, I said, I don't receive that word. I said, but you can certainly have a double portion of it for yourself. <laughs> no, no, I don't want that word for me. I said, no, those that sow the wind shall reap the whirlwind. I said, that's your word. And he says, you can't reject the word of the Lord. I said, nor can you. You've just owned it. I've rejected it. And he looked and his face became pale because we reap what we sow. And what he had out of spirit of jealousy, he wanted control over a congregation. I didn't want the control over the congregation. I just wanted to obey the Lord. But God had raised me up. And when God raises you up, it's very difficult for somebody to take you down. But when you raise yourself up, you'll have to keep yourself there. So wait for God to promote you. And you don't have to worry about remaining promoted. But if you promote yourself, you'll have to spend all your time staying promoted. So what happened was about two weeks later, he had injured himself. And he was praying unto the Lord, Lord, I can't believe this injury's happened. I didn't know this had happened. But the Lord will vindicate you. And... Uh, what happened was the Lord spoke to him. You've spoken against my servant, David. You, your words have been stout against him. And I will only heal you if you go to him and repent and ask him to pray for you. God will vindicate you. So I was in the chapel. This guy walks in. I'm like, oh boy, here we go again. And so he walks up. He says, excuse me, excuse me. He says, I, I, I need to talk with you. He limps over. And he tells me what the Lord told him. And he's like broken before the Lord. And I said, I'd be glad to forgive you and pray for you. So I did. The power of God hit him. The glory of God came in and restored him. And we became friends. And so uh, sometimes you have to publicly respond when somebody does it publicly just to set the record straight when people are prophesying. And it's not just a false word where they miss it, but it's a demonic word that carries demonic power that's empowered by a familiar Spirit. So we're going to close out now. And this is the, the scripture I want to close with. Um, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5, 19 through 21, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Another translation is don't put out the Spirit's fire. Do not reject prophecies. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Another translation says, the Bible says, we are not to put out the Spirit's fire. So don't stop people from prophesying. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt like Ananias or like uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander the coppersmith did, and they got their, their flesh hunted over to Satan that they made them learn not to blaspheme. But test everything and hold fast to that which is good. So don't fail to eat the chicken and spit up the bones. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Eat the grapes, spit out the seeds, okay? But don't put out the Spirit's fire. Allow prophecy to flow in your life through you and to other people and operate in maturity. If somebody comes with a wrong spirit and a right word, receive the Spirit, reject the word. If they're trying, encourage them. You can shelf it. It's not a big deal, but don't spend a lot of time with it and just move on. But if somebody comes with a false prophetic word, God will give you wisdom on how to handle that, but don't allow that to come through your hedge of protection when it's got a demonic power on it. You say, I reject that word. I don't receive that. And if they persist, say, you can have it. They persist more. You say, you can have a double portion of it because those who sow the wind shall also reap the whirlwind. And you'll watch what happens in their life. But give them grace. And at the level or intensity that they come, you can come too. I'm David, Virtual Church Media. You can get uh, my book, Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom at jetridebook.com. You can donate. Please partner with us at virtualchurchmedia.com. And we've also got a new Hearing God series and a Vimeo showcase at vimeo.com showcases slash hearing God. We'll put it in the link, but I want to pray for you tonight. Are you ready? Are you ready to receive a prophetic word and a dream and a vision of the night when deep sleep falls on men as you slumber in your bed. Amen. He sends angels yes. to, to seal his instructions for your life. And his instructions are good. He is in a good mood. So Heavenly Father, just raise your hands up to the Lord to say, Lord, I repent for treating prophecies with contempt or not being open to the prophetic word. I also repent 
if I've ever been in error where I've accepted a word just because a person had authority, and we know that people are imperfect, God. We forgive them for their mistakes. Even as my wife forgave that man for his mistake and would be best friends with him today if we were in ministry, would see him, she'd never even bring it up. I thank you, Father God, that you've restored him. Keep us in the hollow of your hand. And we now ask that you would impart us word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, and the gift of prophecy, that we would give our testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy, talking about your goodness, and that you would release in us the gifts that we might prophesy with the simple or basic gift of prophecy to encourage, strengthen, and build others up with your mind, your words, and your heart, which is a heart of love. And Lord, I also thank you for raising up prophets to foretell, to have the anointing of the sons of Issachar to know what ought to be done in these times. I pray for a supernatural impartation of wisdom from the Holy Spirit that it might direct and bring wisdom into the situation where we would have the goods to be able to meet the needs of those that are crying out in dark times that they come. And we thank you, Father God, for turning everything around in due season and strengthening us with the fresh oil of the Holy Spirit. And I receive that and I release that right now. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, your personal savior, it's simple. Jesus was hung up for your hangups. He died on the cross 2,000 years ago. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you in your current condition. If you felt the presence of God or the pull on your heart, you hear Jesus knocking at the door of your heart tonight. Just simply say, I open the door, come in to my heart. I believe you died on the cross. You were buried in the tomb. And on the third day, you were raised from the dead. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I turn from my old ways. My best thinking got me where I'm at. I need your thinking, the mind of Christ. And I thank you for writing my name in the Lamb's Book of Life right now. If you said that prayer, chat in, send us an email, info at virtualchurchmedia.com or tag us on Quantum Kingdom Life. God bless you. I'm David. My wife is Joanna. We are the Herobedians. We're on a Wednesday night study in Central Florida, and we bless you in the name of the Lord. God bless. Amen. Amen.